0: Possibly be a greater challenge in covering the 2021 Pittsburgh Pirates than to assess the managerial work of Derek Shelton for so 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 many reasons. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and/or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, right where you found this. The Pirates lost to the Brewers yesterday 5-2. to two. They had a chance. They had a couple chances. And the fact that they didn't do anything with those could be rested reasonably on Shelton and a couple of back-to-back decisions that he made in the sixth inning. Will Crow was pitching really, really well, and probably even better than his line would have indicated to that stage. Five innings, two runs, two hits, eight strikeouts. Not generally a, a K machine, but he was able to get a fair amount of swings and misses through the Milwaukee Bats, and the Pirates had Bases loaded and two outs in the top of the sixth, and Shelton made the decision to let Crow bat. Why? Because he was pounding the zone, according to Shelton, and he was looking good, and his pitch count at the time was 72. Sounds good, right? Well, okay, so Crow doesn't come through. He bounces into a force out. The score stays At 2-2, Milwaukee comes up. Crow walks the first batter he sees. It was his first walk of the afternoon. Now, it was a 10-pitch walk to Tim Lopes, but it was, you know, his first walk. I mean, and just like that, Shelton pops out of the dugout. And my reaction, I'm sure, was the same as a lot of people's reactions and say what do you wait seriously what's going on here is he hurt or something what happened and he takes the ball and david bednar comes in and bednar of course mostly really good for the pirates not as good of late bednar gives up a triple there goes the lead there goes the ball game crow's expression in the dugout was just so powerfully telling. It wasn't anger. He's not established enough in the majors to be angry at anybody. Just He just looked like he was crushed by it. And, you know, it's kind of a crushing thing when that happens. When Chad Cool pitched the day before and could only get the team three and two-thirds, Shelton said we need to start getting longer starts. The next day, he's getting one, and he pulls the plug on Crow. And here, th- this was his full explanation. Uh, it was the 10-pitch at bat. You know, Lopes had a 10-pitch at bat. We sent him back out. I mean, we let him hit. He was at 72. He was pounding the zone, uh, but the fact that it that bat got that extended, and then all of a sudden, you know, we have, uh, we have the tying run on, so we went to Bednar uh if he was you know if he gets him more efficiently then he probably gets another hitter but he did a nice job i mean first inning i thought his tempo was off a little bit and then he really locked it in and was extremely efficient commanded the zone slider was good it was just that with the length of that at bat couple of key takeaways from that the first one is that there's no mention whatsoever of crow repeatedly shaking off stallings He hadn't done that through the whole game, but he started doing it through that at bat. That's a red flag for a pitching coach. And I can promise you that Oscar Marine was in Shelton's ear over that because something was up. I'm not suggesting he was hurt. I'm suggesting that he all of a sudden lacked confidence in a certain pitch. So take that one however you want. Another thing that Shelton didn't bring up, although he did make at least a fleeting reference to it, was whether or not Crow was operating with some sort of hard pitch limit. Now, that'd be a strange thing in June, and at the same time, if you were listening carefully there, Shelton said that if the walk hadn't involved so many pitches that he, quote, might have gotten another batter, end quote. Well, that would have only put him at around, you know, the same 82 pitches where he ended up. In which case, why would you let him hit? Shelton also didn't get into what his bench options were. And this is where we start getting real interesting here. See, what I'm doing here for you is I'm trying to lay out multiple scenarios that would have led to all of this playing out the way it did that go a little bit past Shelton's some kind of idiot or whatever. I have got to presume something else influenced this call maybe and don't don't laugh at this but maybe he just looked down his bench and said eh whatever <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's two outs yes bases were loaded yes it's a tie game but it's also two outs and crow actually is like kind of decent with the bat he stepped into the box for that Plate appearance with a 147 average. And I got to tell you, that's four points higher than Kai Tom. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching with any of this, but the idea that the manager is an idiot seems to just pop up immediately for everyone. Wow, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. What a john russell move or a clint hurdle move or jim leland move i don't know maybe it was a danny Murton move but maybe just maybe there was something behind it that we don't know this happens so often i can't even begin to attempt to quantify it for you because i hear this all the time from managers from coaches in other sports And it'll be off the record, and it'll usually be way after the fact. Like, I might ask Shelton about this call, like, this winter, like, this coming winter. By the way, remember that day in Milwaukee where you pulled Crow? What was that really all about? And he'll say, oh, man, you promise not to tell anybody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then he'll say, well, listen, he was this, this, or this, or there was really something going wrong there and I had no, but it's not going to be, wow, I just had a brain cramp and I am so stupid. Because most of what I just detailed here for you is not the kind of thing that the manager has anything to gain from making public. He's going to take it on himself. A good manager will do that. Now you can choose to believe that he's a dummy. I'm, I'm gonna choose to believe what I actually know, which is that he's not. But you know what? When I do bring it up this winter, I'm gonna ask for his kind permission to share with you what really, really happened. With Crow Milwaukee. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you on this program, always by More Short Tavern, Located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It is the home to stake on a stone. It is the home to the planet's only fully committed Pirates Sports Bar. Front to back, left to right, nothing but Pirates memorabilia through the whole place. A great place, I should add, to watch road games like the ones that the Pirates will be playing the next three days in our nation's capital. Surrounded by Pirates fans and everything else, good food, good times, maybe even good baseball. (laughs) Come on down to North Shore Tavern across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's question comes from Patrick, who asks... DK, what is it that the scouts saw while Mitch Keller was previously in the minors that had them so high on him? It just makes no sense for him to be hyped up and then to be this bad. I appreciate this. I do because it gives me a chance to clear up some wholly unjustified misconceptions about Keller's rise to prospect prominence and why he was portrayed the way he was. Let me make this part really, really, really clear. Mitch Keller was a consensus top 10 prospect in all of baseball, by MLB Pipeline, by Baseball America, and by other independent outlets. This has nothing to do with the team, Other than MLB Pipeline being part of MLB.com, it doesn't have anything to do with Major League Baseball either because the reporters that they hire are doing their own rankings, and I know that because I know them, and I know that Jonathan Mayo, who is the head of that operation, a Pittsburgh guy, would never in a zillion years take any kind of back and forth from the teams. Same as me when I did it for, for Baseball America. I wanted no input whatsoever from the Pirates in evaluating their system. These rankings, the things that people are currently referring to as all that hype, didn't come from the Pirates. If you heard, read, or saw any hype about Keller, it was coming from these rankings. Now. Are people going to mention the rankings? Sure. When Keller came up to pitch his first big league game in Cincinnati, was the TV broadcast going to get a little excited about it? Sure. He was supposed to be one of the top pitching prospects, according to these scouting services, in all of baseball. I was there that night in Cincinnati. I thought this was this was a kind of a significant thing, too, you know? I wasn't wild about his AAA stats. I really wasn't wild about his performance that night in Cincinnati. But I knew what the rankings were. The rankings weren't done by the Pirates. So the way you word this question, Patrick, is you're asking, A, about the hype, and B, about what did the scouts see? Scouts don't look at the minor leagues. At least not scouts the way you think of them. When baseball teams employ scouts, it's almost entirely for the purposes of evaluating amateur talent for the draft and for international acquisitions. There aren't scouts roaming the minors. They do have evaluators and instructors in the minors, and they do have people giving feedback, but that stuff never, ever, ever, ever becomes public. So the Pirates had nothing to do with building up Keller. They had nothing to do with building up your hopes for Keller. If there's any kind of admonition to be had here, it's for the various ranking services because they got him wrong to this stage. I hear people still comparing Keller to Tyler Glass now. Why? Why? Have you not seen the differences between these two pitchers even at the same stage of their careers? Keller was was throwing 94-95 even just now, and Glasnow was hitting 98-99 for a long, long time. Glasnow's got stuff that's not anywhere close to what Keller's got. Glasnow had numbers in AAA that blew away Keller's numbers in AAA. They're not the same pitcher. They don't have the same potential. They never did. Why did Keller rise like that in the rankings? I have no idea. But this idea that, oh no, they've blown another one and now they're going to trade him somewhere and he's going to go become good somewhere else. Uh, I haven't seen it. At least with Glass now when he came up. You might remember this. He'd walk a million guys, but you saw the stuff. You know, we weren't stupid. We saw what we saw. Everyone knew what he could do. Does anyone really have that sense when they watch Keller? Do you ever watch and go, man, this guy, if only he could just put it together. No. You're just watching him survive from batter to batter. You're watching him... Nibble at the strike zone and purposely not throw strikes because he's afraid they're going to hit the ball. There's no similarities between him and Glasnow. Glassnow was just wild. And he was wild for a while. And Ray Searage tried to fix that in a way that didn't work. Ray Searage tried to fix that by saying, listen, just pound it in the zone and let them hit it. Well, that, of course, ended up being. The thing that's going to be on, you know, Ray's pitching coach epitaph forever, you know, the whole contact element. But this kid, this isn't the same thing at all. At all. Anyway, glad I had a chance to clear that up. Really glad that you asked the question. Glad that you listened to the show. Glad everybody listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we will do another one of these tomorrow you. Uh-huh.